everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we're discussing two movies from 1980. We're finally into the 90s, kids! <laughs> um, I'm your host, Michael, and Kersey's on the other side. Hey, good to see you. And this is like one of the first times that this is like the first intro you've done. We haven't had to do a redo. Oh, really? Yeah, congratulations. Yay! Cookies for everybody! I'll mail you cookies. <laughs> um, so we're going to be watching two... Well, we did watch them. Uh, <laughs> Guardian is weird. First Power isn't weird. It's just one of those seminal horror films I watched when I was a young man. Uh, you know, building his taste in horror films. And uh, it's up to you, the player, to choose which one you'd like to start with. Uh, first Power. Uh, first Power is... I had, and I had not seen the VHS original movie version or whatever. I had seen it off television back when I was, you know, only allowed to watch horror movies that were edited for television. And I gotta tell you, it still holds up. I know some of it's a little generic, but I thought it was really entertaining. And good lord, I never noticed. This is like a stunt fest. They spent movie on some serious stunts. Yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty pleasantly surprised. And I was really happy to see, I don't know this guy's this actor that would play the villain but I've seen him everywhere and he's amazing and it's kind of it's kind of upsetting that he only really does like he's kind of a character actor but I mean he can hold his own as a lead yeah well okay so his name's Jeff Cobert and yeah my mother is still terrified if she sees his face she squirms um because we saw this really young and he was in another movie where he was a bad guy with Anthony Michael Hall back in 1986 called Out of Bounds and that kind of made his bones but between the two movies, he was in a TV show called, um, oh god, Tor, not Tor of Duty, it's, uh, China Beach, that's it, China Beach, and he was a good guy, he was a soldier who would constantly help them out, because, uh, China Beach was, like, a medical station during Vietnam. I mean, he kind of, he doesn't really have the, uh, I mean, he's kind of born to play a villain, just, like, his, his smile and his, like, how wide, or how, yeah, how wide his mouth goes, he just kind yeah. of has that villainous sort of, I mean, he, uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he uh, he's played mostly villains. Have you seen Tank Girl? Uh, yes. Okay. Very long time. He's one of the kangaroo guys, the silly, goofy one uh, okay. named Booga. Yeah, and, and I think he's really sweet in that movie. And uh, I used to follow him on Facebook before he abandoned it, but uh, he's a big like Buddhist studying like peace and... It's kind of a weird juxtaposition. I find this actually a lot with people who play villains. They usually have like a whole different like real life persona than what you see on the on the film. Uh, yeah, there's uh, or they kind of like to uh, uh, take breaks between uh, roles and meditate and do that kind of stuff. So I guess that kind of works. It's kind of a line. Yeah. Um, I, know, I know that Jensen Ackles, who played Soldier Boy in uh, the most recent season of The Boys is going to kind of take a break from those kind of roles for a while. <laughs> I fucking can't believe, A, how we did not make him a movie star and he was on Supernatural yeah. for like 15 fucking years. Um, but two, uh, I didn't expect that. Uh, if you haven't seen season three of The Boys, it is exact opposite of what I've expected with this character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, kind of, you, you kind of expect him to be like the lovable guy he's not at all he's horrible yeah um so yeah what a monster just absolute complete and utter monster um 
But the first power it was actually a big hit for the time. This is when horror movie was deader than dead, and this made $22 million, which back then was a lot, even if the horror wasn't dead. And um, I, I think what's interesting is this is a movie star, a studio film from, you know, like, you know, that was wide release with a Native American as a star by himself, basically. No other co leads. Yeah, and they've done this in other movies, The Hidden, where, you know, the creature, the parasite, was jumping from person to person. I think they did that in Jason Goes to Hell. But it does yeah, make it interesting where the, the villain can jump. Is there one with Denzel Washington where it jumps from body to body called Fallen? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. I feel like there is one. Um, but yeah, it makes it a little bit harder. And this, what's interesting, like Shocker, it, it has its main villain. You know, if they were, if this was really successful, they could have made more sequels or whatever, and then his character would have just keep coming back. Um, but also that it gets to jump from body to body, unlike Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers, and you know all the classic horror monsters. Hmm, I wonder if the, the ghost of Frankenstein would be interesting. The mad doctor jumping from, you know, because it's funny as we always think of the creature. Well, now I think we're more wiser, but these refer to the creature as Frankenstein, not realizing no, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty solid thriller. I mean it's just, I, I guess so. So basically, the, actually, no. There's one thing that kind of bothered me that I had that I am still confused by. So there's in the beginning. Uh, one of the detectives in, in this in this cop force, uh, police force, is killed by the main serial killer before he turns into uh, kind of a vengeful spirit. Um, no, okay. not no. She was not killed. He was about to kill her, and then she was saved, and then he kills her later when he comes oh, back. For some reason, I thought she died in the beginning. No, he saves her just in time, and then he decides to complete it and then get revenge on the rest of the cops who try to stop him when he comes back from the grave or whatever. See, that's so weird because, like, the way that the, the shots were set up, and then I did not see her afterwards when they're, like, you know, he's in the gas chamber, when he's, uh, when they're all celebrating the cops afterwards. I didn't see her. I assumed she died. Yeah. And, and what I also think is interesting is they actually give the villain legitimate sympathy this the shit that happened to him as a child and what led him to this point you can still feel sorry for him but also like you know put a bullet in his fucking head yeah 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 and it's funny how I don't really need that scene the way they did in, in Shocker, where it's like this ridiculous, yeah. oh, I'm going to hook myself up to TVs and pray to Satan. <laughs> what? That's completely unnecessary. You know, in this one, they don't even really need to go through that deep, like, plotting exposition to get to that point. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can make any justification you want, but, like, just, it makes it kind of creepier to not know. And, like, the idea that there's. Yeah, not only the nun, but the psychic involved in this, who 
who, who kind of who know what's going on but can't really explain it. And so there's something kind of like ethereal about it that this cop has to try to just believe them rather than try to explain it. Yeah, and I think the dream sequences work. They do it twice, and they tricked me both times. And I haven't even seen this movie. I fucking forgot. <laughs> This is a, sort of kind of based off of Richard Ramirez, who was the Night Stalker in Los... I think that's right, the Night Stalker in Los Angeles during the 70s. He even kind of looks like Richard Ramirez. And, um, you know, and then they just took it off in their own direction. And I think that the director, Robert Rez, um, Reznikoff, whatever it is, I think he does a very good job, and he never directed another movie. How does that even happen? You have a hit movie, and that's it. We're done. Bye. Yeah, considering like how much action they put into this movie. Yeah, I it's, honestly it's like. Pretty, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a really good walk. The flow is, um, or at least like the pacing of the movie is excellent. Yeah, I, well, it's funny is because you know you and I were talking about how so many horror directors around this time were getting moved over to action, um, because it's like the director of Mark for Death and Rapid Fire. He had done Halloween Four, and then there's. Um, Oh, shit, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. He did Cliffhanger and Deep Blue Sea. Uh, he was married to Gina Davis. Uh, he did Cutthroat Island. What the fuck is wrong with me? Whatever. He did a whole bunch. But we kept picking like all these horror directors around this time. Stephen Hopkins, you know, he ended up doing Predator 2. Uh, Chuck Russell did Eraser and The Mask. And it just seems like this guy was destined to move on to action movies. And it just... What, I, I, I want to find out. I want to do some deep dive because he's not dead. <laughs> Maybe it was a miserable experience. And he said, fuck this shit. I got a hit. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that, that could definitely be. <laughs> um, our second film is uh, The Guardian from a legendary director, William Friedkin, finally returning to the genre after ooh, almost 20 years away from uh, with the first Exorcist. And boy, wildly different movies. And this movie is fucking insane. I cannot yeah. believe how nutty this is. I was surprised by some of the gore. Yeah, I was surprised too. Like when you usually hear like director comes back after twenty years and like I was career isn't doing too well and this is probably gonna be a stinker. I was actually surprised at how good it was. Yeah, originally it was supposed to be Sam Raimi, and then he was able to do uh, Darkman totally instead. Know. So I almost the, feel like he must have had Evil Dead kind of references or motifs in there. Yeah. Um, I remember critics hated the shit out of this, and it did okay. Um, but it's just one of these movies like I never ever got around to seeing. So this is my first time watch. Is this first time watch for both of these movies? Uh, yes. I love when I get to do that for you. <laughs> How did this play on television? I, I feel like there was like thirty minutes of nudity <laughs> and sexual stuff, and then tons of gore. Must <laughs> have had a lot of extra footage added somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, pan and scan. Yeah. But um, this is, at first, it's, it, I actually did not like this movie at first. I wasn't even sure I was going to go through with it. Because, like, the first 20 minutes is kind of boring. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like uh, one of those um, Lifetime Channel movies. Oh, we hired the wrong yes. babysitter. She's going to kidnap our baby. No, she's going to feed your baby to a tree so she can live forever. <laughs> yeah, that, it's like, 
exactly, it's kind of thinking the same thing. With, like the, the initial setup is, you know, pretty much as cliche as it can be, and um, it, it doesn't feel so. Like really good horror is not something that you're necessarily afraid of. It's about things you don't know you're afraid of yet. Yeah. And that's always that's always the most effective horror. So when you're making a movie where it's like, oh, a woman's gonna kill your baby, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, people fear that, but like that's a, such a well known fear that it doesn't really like it's it, it almost it almost feels like i can't really be scared now because it's like it's something that's so obvious but it kind of went a little bit deeper with it um and it's like not it made it a little more like spiritual or like the idea of like someone invading your home and you don't even know who they are yeah which is which is something that happens people do lie on their resume and people just don't check because they seem trustworthy or, or they're desperate. They're in a situation where they can't. And that's what's going to come up in our next episode. There's a movie where a desperation, uh, they end up taking someone into their home and oops. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, they kind of they add another layer, another layer of the horror on top of it that makes it more interesting. Yeah, I don't I don't know a whole lot of like nature-based horror. Is she, so this is the part where I feel stupid. Is she some sort of witch? Is she a Wiccan? Is she an Earth demon? What is she? She seems like a, uh, a druid. I play a lot of D&D, so... That's, okay. <laughs> they're uh, creatures of the forest. They can uh, transform, uh, and they can um, use nature to their advantage. Okay, uh, like yeah. They can control trees and that kind of shit, so that seems to be, I think, what they're going for. I mean, there's a jaw-dropping moment where she's out in the woods with the baby and these, like, just hooligans out of nowhere just come up and start harassing her. And it's... And I honestly thought, oh, this is going to be some sort of, like, death wishy... I didn't even really catch... The, I, I, I didn't know this was a horror movie. I didn't. Because um, it doesn't look like that on the title. And the description, I was like, yeah, well, from the director of Exorcist, well, it's probably just a psychological thriller at most. And I thought that she was going, like, the baby's going to die, and she was going to get, like, you know, raped or whatever, and then she was going to get revenge on all of them, maybe get the help of the parents, and then all of a sudden, the forest comes alive and rips them to shreds. Yeah, that was really shy. Like, I, I figured that she was going to, like, she was going to be, like, unkillable or something, or super powerful. I didn't expect she used the tree to kill those guys in such a brutal in a very vicious way. Um, that, was, that was shocking. And then she was, like, sitting in the tree uh, in the background. Like, if you notice, you'll see her in the tree before they do the close-up of it. Uh-huh. And it, that, was, that part was terrifying. I was actually howling and also saying, holy fucking shit! Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, there's the escalations from there. And I don't think there's anything really fresh for a little while. I thought the wolf sequence was pretty solid. Um, yeah. But I think the end, when uh, the showdown, and she's just like a fucking Terminator, and then they're using the tree, kind of like a voodoo creature or whatever, to, you know, hurt her. I thought that was really interesting. And then I didn't realize I knew about this movie. Because um, right before I had moved from Fort Wayne to Huntington, you won't know what I'm talking about, but um, a friend of mine had the new Fangoria, or maybe it was Gorezone, I can't remember. And see, no, 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 no. I just meant Fort Wayne and Huntington. Um, <laughs> but I was, you know, and then he showed me this magazine. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm like, like, oh, I remember Bride of Reanimator was one, the big thing on the cover. But then there was this thing about halfway through, and I never remembered what the movie was. All I remember was a bloody tree, 
And there was like, you know, goop and gore or whatever as he was cutting away at the tree. And I thought the, the tree was like a monster or whatever. I didn't never knew what it was. I couldn't remember. And then watching this, I was like, holy shit, that's it! <laughs> I love it when they have it. There's still a few like sitting in the back of my mind. I've never figured out what they are. There's something kind of, um, I, I don't know if it matters, I guess. But like the, the tree has the souls of those babies. Like, you can hear the cries of the children when you're near the tree. So, he's, as he's cutting it away, is some of the blood he's cutting away from the children? Oh, fuck. I didn't think about that. It's a little macabre. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if he's, like, is he technically freeing the souls, or is he destroying them? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's so weird. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, it's not the first time I've seen that. Because, I mean, of course, in Evil Dead, they use... Uh, possessed trees and they used it later in Sleepy Hollow but I feel like this is the most effective way I think I've ever seen it used oh yeah for sure because like even in Evil Dead 2 the tree bleeds blue for some reason um so this is definitely uh freakier and showing the effect that it has because she has the connection to the tree when he's cutting it she's like uh being cut up at the same time and she's you know trying to take the baby away from the mother and that's just terrifying to all of a sudden just her leg just comes off as she's trying to, to grab her. Yeah, it's, uh... Well, I'm looking at the guy who wrote this and he really didn't do shit before this. I was just curious to see if they had... I always like looking at, like, uh, who who writes a movie and then you're like, holy shit, their career got way better after this. No, <laughs> this guy, I think it's his last thing. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Uh, yeah, um, that is it for this episode. Anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, I did actually. Uh, one, one thing, one last thing I just wanted to mention about um, this movie is like I, I like that, and I can tell this is something more of like having a confident director that I noticed. That I noticed is that um, there's not a ton of music that plays throughout, at least not through like scary bits. And I think that's probably because he's you know a pretty established uh, yeah. director, especially in horror films, uh, that kind of understands what is. I do get annoyed sometimes when they're trying to play you with the music. I'm like, the music's supposed to help the movie, not take over the movie. <laughs> right, and it becomes less scary, too, because it, like, I, the music can make you feel more safe if it's not used properly. And that's kind of how a lot of horror movies are, but I think this one uh, really knew when to, when to put in just, I, I, um, I don't know, like a violin stroke. And just do it once and then stop. Yeah. And I just wait a few beats so you just hear the person breathing, looking around nervously, and then just do another one and then stop and just kind of like let it play out like that. It was so much more effective and creepy. And then it just stops. And, and then that becomes even more terrifying. It's like, this is the, the scene where he's uh, trying to escape the wolves inside of his own house. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Just again, I, I find that a lot of. Uh, well-established professional directors will do that kind of thing and are a lot smarter about knowing when not to play music. And, I, and this is definitely one of those movies. Would you rather be torn apart by a tree or wolves? Oh, that's... I'm going to go with the tree. Yeah, same. It, it looked like it was faster. Yeah, I just feel like being slowly eaten by the wolves would suck ass and, and the tree would just, like, you know, burst your guts apart and you're done. You're good. Yeah, if I'm laying on the ground and the root comes up and just blows me in half, that'll be that'll be it. You're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next episode, we're going to be going into some more psychological thriller kind of stuff. We're going to be doing Pacific Heights 
And uh, Blue Steel. Uh, you probably never seen either one of those. They're really good, though. No, Blue Steel. Isn't that isn't Chappelle in that movie? No. Oh, you're thinking of Blue Streak. Uh, Blue, Blue Steel Street. is Jamie Lee Curtis is a rookie cop, and an accident happens on her first day of work, and then she has a very big fan. <laughs> a very big fan. Uh, it's, it's, I like watching some of the movies where you, you, they take something normal and benign, and they just twist it into something really disturbing. Interesting. All right. All right. Uh, that is it, everybody. Uh, good night.